what is forgiveness and how in the world do we forgive when somebody has really wronged us? We discuss this and more with special guest Karen Lang on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a place where you get to have to fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, sanctified scallywag, and with me as always is my rascally redeemed co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, uh, uh, I didn't think this through. Uh, someone, <laughs> someone who's getting better at forgiveness because he keeps on realizing that he needs it occasionally. <laughs> your, uh, your, your self-descriptors are getting longer but more accurate. Yes, yes. How about begrudgingly forgivenessly? That's not even a word. You're uh, almost there. You're close. You're close. <laughs> so close. Yes. Anyway, and today we have a very special guest. She is a public health educator, poverty and trauma expert, entrepreneur, author, speaker, church consultant, and teaching pastor with such organizations as Healing and Salvation Ministries, Apple of His Eye Services, and Health Literacy for All. Her master's thesis was on using forgiveness as an evangelical tool, which she published as a book. She also has written The Everyday Christian's Guide to Forgiveness, The Everyday Christian's Guide to Prayer, and Biblically Normal Church. Finally, she is also wife, mom, and grandma. And last but not least, she is a deeply valued member of the Overthinkers online Facebook community. She is the kind, the kinetic, the charismatic Karen Lang. Ma'am. I like that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank uh, you. I, I, I'm going to have to live up to the charismatic part now, but okay. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Believe me, I, half I, of our I, listeners will love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I I, I have uh, met uh, Karen because I was on my friend Alyssa Plock's show, and we had a really fun discussion around revivals and the Jesus Revolution movie. So, if you want, you can check out Alyssa's movie takes on there but I had so much fun having a back and forth and that was ever since then I was like okay we gotta we gotta have uh, her on the podcast at some point that day has come so so why am I on the podcast well you're on the podcast because <laughs> I wanted to talk about forgiveness and right. and you are somebody who's talked about that and you knew we'd have a really fun discussion about that with but yes before we get started on that Nathan if people do enjoy our discussion and want to get uh, involved in more discussions that we have and also get involved with community of overthinkers like themselves to have more discussions like this with where can they go they can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and they can also send us all of their love and hate mail there they can also <laughs> join the online community of overthinkers now almost fifteen thousand strong on facebook it's a private group where we're posting tons of very fun and intellectual memes and getting into great discussions about the said topics that we're talking here uh, you can also, if you do enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review and share with a friend. It really does help us so very much. Awesome. Well, everybody really uh, ready to discuss a really light and not at all difficult topic like forgiveness? I am. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. Let's get started then. Forgiveness is a hugely important value in modern culture. Psychology Today defines forgiveness as the release of a resentment or anger. The late Dr. Tim Keller's book, Forgive, defines forgiveness as releasing the need for somebody who wronged you to be hurt in some way as payment for offending you. Both Christian and secular sources argue for the necessity of forgiveness in order for uh, reconciliation and for inner healing from trauma. 
if you hold on to resentment to be people who wronged you, they still have control of your emotions and choices. Forgiveness has been shown to elevate mood, enhance optimism, and guard against anger, stress, anxiety, and depression. Moreover, it removes it, uh, it, it enables a possibility of reconciliation. But value and forgiveness this way was not always the case. According to David Constant's book, Before Forgiveness, the Origin of a Moral Idea, Greek and Roman societies, philosoph with philosophers like Aristotle and stories like the Greek tragedies or comedies, portrayed forgiveness as letting someone off the hook of consequences because there are extenuating circumstances. It took the Hebrew Bible and Christianity to introduce the idea of pardoning a person of their wrongdoing, even when their wrongdoing is without excuse. Today, we also see a growing movement of people in our society arguing that forgiveness might actually be a bad value. Psychology Today, again, argued that sometimes there are scenarios in which forgiveness is not the best course for a particular person. Sometimes the victim, particularly of something like sexual abuse, becomes more empowered when they give themselves permission not to forgive. Many people argue that the pressure to forgive enables abusers to abuse people and then get away with it. Racial justice advocates have argued that the pressure to forgive becomes a shield racists can use to avoid accountability for their actions. So, Ms. Karen, you've written and spoken a lot about the importance of forgiveness. We love definitions yeah. on our show. So how would you okay. define forgiveness and why do you think forgiveness is such an important value for us to do that you've written about it so much? So uh, I define forgiveness as the choice to release somebody from the consequences of the harm they've done to them in order to free yourself to live an abundant life Bang. as the most complete de definition that I have for it. Um, when, when Christians especially talk about forgiveness, they often resort to the biblical um, mandate in, in the New Testament where Jesus says you must forgive in order for God to forgive you. And, um, and I've always been kind of stuck like for a long time since I was young. Like, why? Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Like, I understand that I have probably committed more sins that God needs to forgive me for than the one sin that that person did to me, no matter how big it is. But at the same time, why why does that mean I have to forgive them? Um, yeah. And it's actually in moving to the public health world that I really began to understand that that argument that we need to forgive others was less about our relationship with God and more about our relationship with the world we live in and the yeah. ability to function well within it. Dude, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and I, I love your definition because it also includes what it does to you. I think I had conceptualized forgiveness as, in, as, as a lot of things. When I was young, I, I would read scripture and I'd see we're just supposed to do these things. They're kind of arbitrary, but God says do them. <laughs> and so we just have to do them. And so that's how I conceptualized a lot of things, but in particular, uh, forgiveness. And as I've grown older, what I see is every one of um, the commandments, let's say, that scripture offers us is actually for the betterment of ourselves. They are loving commandments that if God asks us to do something, it's actually for us. It will better our lives. It'll better the world. It'll better society. Um, but that doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> but it's interesting changing that perspective on forgiveness that this isn't just to let someone else off the hook. And it's not just an arbitrary command by God. This is actually to help you. And recently I was doing some research into forgiveness because I'm uh, for a book project I'm working on. And what Dude. I was surprised to see is the the health benefits of forgiveness and, 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 and then conversely, the health detriments of holding grudges. And right. while it's a very human thing and I understand holding grudges, I've been wronged in very large ways by people. 
And there is something cathartic about holding on to that and going over that in your mind. But I think it's not a huge stretch for any of our listeners or anyone out there to say, this is a bad practice. This will uh, negatively affect your life. If you spend right. your time and you you know sleepless nights thinking about how you're wrong and even thinking about ways to get back at that person, um, you're going to not only waste your life, but you're going to spend a lot of your life in stress and turmoil thinking about the thing that has hurt you the most. And so when it comes to forgiveness, it's not just either for the other person or just for um, a random God thing they want you to do. It's for you to live a healthier, more whole life. And this is one of the main reasons I think that God commands it in Scripture and we see it as such a consistent theme from the end, from the very beginning of Scripture all the way to the end. And we see it exemplified towards us from God. And I think we even see God wanting to live in um, not a, a, a tumultuous relationship with us, but one of peace. And I think that's what God wants us to do um, so we can also live in peace. And But yeah, quickly, if you look into the, the, the medical effects, the very physical effects that holding grudges have on your body. It's heightened blood pressure. It's weight gain. It's stress. It's shortened uh, even life expectancy of people who hold. I mean, it's really, really something when you look at when you choose not to forgive what it does to your body. But then when you see what it does actually to your body, it again, you it's longevity of life. People who forgive uh, way higher rates of happiness, way um, less rates of depression. So this isn't just a spiritual or kind of yep. enigmatic abstract thing. This is something that if you can grasp and do it, nothing, there's the rub and practice out of it. Because I'm no good at it. I really don't like people. But if you can, it really will have a hugely positive effect on your life. And so um, so I do want to move a minute into how do we do this? Because I think everyone's going great, fine. But how okay. world do I do this? But Joseph, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. So I think, I think this is interesting. So I like, I really like, you know, your framing of this in terms of like, you know, you had the command of God as Christians and then you move into the public health aspect of it. Right. Another thing, and, 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 and that I hear that of the law is like the, some of the strongest arguments I hear about forgiveness is that aspect of like, look, we have the science. It's, you know, this is really, really good for you to forgive and really bad for you not to forgive. There's really nobody that, uh, that denies that. And one of the things I, I also see a lot of is, um, is the the social cost of it though as well you know one of the things that you know uh that i is you know there's a huge spiking and not just spiking but um over time increasing rates of anxiety and depression you know nowadays and one of the big reasons for that is because we're moving farther and farther away from each other we don't have tight-knit communities anymore we don't have you know used to be you know that society was built around a household which was nestled in an extended family which was nestled in a community you know and and again like the amish have almost no depression and anxiety or mm. attempted suicide you know so because they have all of that you know but right. that kind of community requires forgiveness because we're going to hit hurt each other it's hard work and sacrifice living in an amish paradise you know right. and so that and so, you know, but the more we're kind of, oh, but then there's a, an Atlantic article that was talking about like, you know, why family estrangement is becoming more common. And they talk about it's because right. people are, even though, you know, families are becoming more abusive, people are splitting apart from their families more. It's because people are taking weaker and weaker offenses and they're saying this is something worth cutting people off for. And so, and yet, of course, the result is we're more depressed and we're more anxious and stuff like that. So forgiveness is a deeply important part for like the health of us as individuals yeah. and for having health 
socially. Um, and and yet, of course, again, we'll get into some of the more complicated aspects of it. But I guess you say, like, if you could, you know, talk about, you know, some of the stuff we haven't mentioned that you found sort of in the public health okay. sector, but then also talk about why it's so hard and maybe ways that, you know, ways we can do that. You can, that would okay. be interested in hearing about that. So from a public health spectrum, um, so public health is not a medical field. It's a, a total health field. So we look at physical health. We look at mental health. We look at social health. We look at spiritual health. We look at all four of those as a health process. Okay. So you see forgiveness impacting every one of those, which you guys have for the most part mentioned. So I want to mention a study that I found really fascinating and I started getting into this and it comes, I believe, out of the Netherlands. And I'm so apologetic if I have this wrong. Uh, but uh, they did a, um, a college study with college students and they asked the college students to tell a story about a time where they had been hurt. Right. And half the students were asked to tell a story about a time they were hurt and they were unwilling or unable to forgive the person who hurt them. And the other half were asked to tell a story about how um, a story about when they were hurt and then that they were able to forgive somebody or that they offered forgiveness in that process. And they did this study twice um, over the course of several years and asked for different things. So the first time they asked both groups to jump as high as they could after they told the story. Those people who talked about not being able to forgive could not physically jump as high. Wow. That's your heart incredible. rate was elevated. Your your muscles were tightened up. All Man. of the things that internally happened to you made you less physically able to jump than the corresponding person of the same age, same weight, same relationship, age, same health status, who is now talking about forgiveness. Their body was working at optimal physical capabilities. Wow. And they were able to jump higher. And that's just like really just kind of one of those shocking moments of really that makes that much of a difference. Um, but then they did it again a few years later. And this time, instead, they took them out to the bottom of a mountain and they asked them to estimate after they told the story how high the mountain was. Uh, now, I don't I've, I've grown up in the mountains, but I have never tried to stand at the bottom of a mountain and go, well, that's a five thousand not in state but apparently this is not uncommon out there you know because there's so many mountains out there um that there it's just more of a of a normal thing but they asked them to estimate the slope height and how tall the entire mountain was and then across the board those who were stuck in unforgiveness saw the mountain is steeper and taller wow wow so it, right changes our view of the world it makes things look more difficult when we live in unforgiveness right and so i think those two studies especially that really look at it help you to just sort of see all the things about elevated blood pressure failure of the kidneys to work well um tightening of the um hardening of the arteries that increase strokes and heart attacks and those kinds of things the mental piece of reliving that trauma over and over and over again. Yes, there is something in your brain that kind of wants to relive it, but what your brain really wants to do is to relive it to a point where it sees itself as having options. That's what your brain does when it, it, it wants wow. 
find the alternative. We're in this process. Could I have done something different to not have the bad experience, right? Your brain's trying to learn. And when yeah. you stick it in unforgiveness, it can't learn. It right. just repeats the exact mm. same story over and over and over again. So you get no chance to learn, to grow, to, to nourish a new option, to see alternatives um, at all when you don't forgive. And so those three things, which are all kind of add-ons to what you've said, are the things. So when it comes to why is this so hard, because mm. it is actually genuinely hard, and it's hard in two ways. First of all, if we are actually still in the middle of the trauma, you cannot forgive somebody. Wait. Forgiveness is something that happens when the trauma is over. And it's biblical. And I know that Joseph has read one of my books, and I can't remember if the story is in there or not, so I'm going <laughs> to challenge Nathan. Nathan, do you know where it is in the Bible that somebody could not forgive? Ooh, let me think about this. I don't actually remember this story, so um, okay. <laughs> oh, like, you're gonna All you're right. gonna embarrass me. I'm a pastor's kid. I should know this. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. The person looks in the story like they're forgiving, but they're not really. Oh, is it a? It's not a parable, is it? Nope. Because I'm, it is I'm not terrible. The parable, which the the man won't forgive his neighbor, and then he's not forgiven by the the debt he owes. Right. That's um, that's part of the story that goes without you must forgive piece of it, but that is not it. Okay, you, you got to tell me. You got to tell, tell us. Yeah. So it's actually Jesus on the cross. Interesting. Explain. Okay, so if I if I harm you, Nathan, and I ask you to forgive me, what do you say? If you're going I, to, I forgive you. Right. What did Jesus say? Forgive them; they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. Is that the same thing? He's he's petitioning God. He's petitioning to God to forgive them, which seems like he is asking God to not hold this against he's them. He's asking for the forgiveness piece, but he is not offering forgiveness. Hmm. Interesting. And he's not saying, "I forgive you for what you're doing to me." I'll think on that one. I'll think on that one. Right. He knows that forgiveness has to come out of this. But his God piece of him knows that forgiveness has to come Ooh. out of this. His human piece can't say, I forgive you in the middle of the trauma. Interesting. I'll have to interesting. think on that one. That's a really interesting take. I'll have to think on that. That's so super he has to go to God and say, God, forgive them. Right. And, and oftentimes when we are in the middle of the trauma or the trauma is still fresh, that is actually our best option. God, at this mm. moment, I can't forgive that person. I need you to forgive that person. Mm. And I need you to walk my heart through this process of being able to do this. I think that is what you just said. I think that brings a lot of people. I hope it brings a lot of yeah. people a little bit of comfort because I think there's a lot of shame that happens right. for people yeah. when they've been wronged in their their perceived lack of ability to forgive as they're processing right. the trauma. And so oh, I think that's a really interesting thing that I hope our listeners pick up on is yes. If you, uh, if you don't feel if, like you can forgive someone right now, you know, maybe you can say, okay, God forgive them. And it's not necessarily something wrong with you if you're going through the trauma. And there is a process that yeah. will put you hopefully through God's redemption yes. in a place where you are able to say that and feel right. that and, and own that. That's and really that. interesting. No, Absolutely. see, I love this because I think 
because we can talk all day. I, I think most people know that not forgiving is bad. It hurts us. I think we know that intrinsically. I think very right. people would disagree and say, no, you should hold tons of grudges and just be mad <laughs> old and mad at everybody. Okay. We know that it's, but I think, uh, so we can talk about that, but I think most people already agree. I think what the difficult part is, how do we actually do this? Yeah. Right. So I think the methodology about how we go about forgiving people seems to be really elusive to many yeah. of us. And I, I admit that is elusive to me. And this is something right. that I'm still learning. And I think as I look at um, as I look at people who've experienced much greater trauma mm. and wrongdoings than even I have in my life um, and, and, and who have been able to overcome that, um, there is a... Uh, th there's a few different things that I think we can identify. You know, there's a story a while ago. Um, this happened, oh, a few years back. And it was after the Charleston shooting where mm. a young man um, shot up a black church. And mm -hmm. there was this this brilliant life-shattering moment that happened at the trial. And the and the family got to speak. The the, the family of the victims got to speak. And, and the right. family had, had lost people who were close to them. And who they love, fathers and brothers and sisters and daughters and sons. And and they're sitting there face to face with the person who killed them. And this amazing moment happened where uh, one after the other, they came up and said, I forgive you. And oh. um, and th there had been time from uh, the, the shooting, the incident right. uh, in here. And so they had, but they had, and they talked about in interviews that they had done the work since then to work towards getting to a place where they could look this um, person in the eye and say, I forgive you. And I hope right. that God has mercy on your soul. And that it was such a stark difference than what most of us feel about for uh, far less things, which is, I hope you die. I hope you get hurt. I hope the same thing you did to me happens to you. And so it was this really moving moment, I think, for a lot of us. I think it was almost inexplicable for a lot of us. Like it almost seemed unreal because that doesn't seem that doesn't seem natural to us humans. And so I'd love to explore a little bit right now yeah. um, with both of you. How do we actually do this? Yeah, we actually look in the face, not not necessarily in the face, not in the face. Um, but how do we look uh, proverbially in the face of someone who's wronged us and say, "I forgive you"? What does that look like? How do we get to that process of, of or go through that process and arrive at that place where we can actually forgive someone and, and release mm -hmm. that and set ourselves free so joseph you got any thoughts on that before i throw I a line uh, in there yes yeah, yeah you go ahead you're the expert i'm okay. i'm I, I, i'll put <laughs> in my two we'll, cents we'll afterwards and just agree oh, yeah. with so you. i i think it starts with a couple of things so um so i used to do a uh a support group for women who were victims of domestic violence in mm. christian marriages Wow. Okay. So this is definitely one of those places where that discussion of forgiveness and can I forgive you while you're still being abusive and all of that happens. Yeah. Um, and what I said to the women as we sat down the first day is this is not going to be a group where we compare trauma of what we've each been through. Oh, we are going to deal with the trauma that happened to us, but also to some extent our responsibility in that, right? The first time he hit you, why didn't you leave? You knew it was wrong, but you stayed anyway. So we're not going to discuss why he kept hitting you. We're going to ask why you stayed. Interesting. And what happens when we work on that forgiveness process 
is it gives us the opportunity to go back and review what happened and say, was there something I did in this process that left me susceptible, that left me open to this, that left me, you know, um, somewhere in this victim process? Now, this is not victim blaming. They are responsible for the abuse, right? Hmm, but you are responsible yeah, for your I know reaction. we have listeners asking that question. That's, that's... Right. This is not about, right, this is not, they are responsible for their abuse, you know? Um, I led this group because I went through this with my husband. My husband went to jail seven times in seven Wow, months, wow. Okay? Because he's responsible for his behavior. But I had to leave to have him, I asked him to leave the house. So I involved the court system. I called the police. I did the things that were necessary to keep myself and my children safe in that process. But then I was able to allow, because I was able to operate in a state of forgiveness every time something went wrong, I was able to just step forward and go, okay, that's done. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move my children forward. I'm going to work on healing. When it popped up again, I didn't get, I didn't overreact. I was able to stay grounded and deal with the next incident correctly. And so um, I think that some of it is that work that we have to do internally. And sometimes it is about what you have done in that moment. And sometimes it is about other things. I had to work on the trauma that I grew up with and that allowed me to continue to stay. Or um, the fact that I was working a lot really to avoid being at home where it was uncomfortable because he was, he would get aggressive or he would get loud. And I didn't like that parenting style. Um, And at the time I wasn't really realizing how bad it was to some extent, but I also stayed at work late and I did things to not go home right away that might have made it more myself more aware at the time. Right. So some of it is just looking at your own behaviors looking at the traumas that I went through earlier in life and saying, okay, this is why I put shields up. This is why I didn't open my eyes and see what was going on. Um, so if, if so, I can, so, no, but you got to you, on. Go, in go order ahead, yeah. to do that, I have to work, have worked all my way back to my beginning childhood and been able to live in yep. forgiveness back then so that I can see what happened back then is now impacting what's happening now. Mm. Otherwise, it's just chaos on both sides. Wow. So Which if I'm hearing you correctly, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and you, is that part of the process is because the reason we're not able to forgive oftentimes is because our brain is trying to go through this process of how could I have done something differently? Right. Um, automatically, but it's doing it kind of in the background and undisciplined, actually right. taking control of that and saying, okay, are there things I could have done differently? And right. If there are, great. I can learn that. If not, I can let that go. Doing that intentionally can be a put, put you in control of the process and make it more easy to forgive as part of the steps. Right. And then I think it's also, even if there was nothing you did, say it's a yeah. car accident where somebody just came through, you know, the red light and, the, and, and you know, killed somebody exactly, in your yeah. car and, and there's nothing you could have done. And then sometimes it's just, okay, then if it really was this out of the blue, I have no control over a thing. Is there something I can learn in this process to make it 
better for next time or to be able okay. to get back. I have to get back. My my mother was a rode horses all of her life growing up. She would always say, if you fall off the horse, you get get back on, right? But you know what they say, Vegeta. When you fall off that horse, you get right back up and you eat that horse. Come eat that horse with me, Vegeta. What the hell are you on about? The default process if you're in a car accident with somebody who's killed in a car accident is to not drive again or to take months of not getting back on it. You know, if you've been hit what? on a motorcycle, you often don't get back on that motorcycle. The ability to decide that what happened in that moment is not going to impact your behavior in the future and you're still going to get behind that wheel and you're going to drive again. And you're going to be more careful about the fact that you're not going to run a red light because I don't think there's not one of us who has an, on occasion accidentally gone through a red light, you no, know, um, well, right? So there's so a real aspect yeah. here process. of of looking uh, at, I, I like what you're saying, how it, it's an act of will that, <laughs> that it's yeah. not going to feel natural and necessarily even good, that there is decisions we have to make. Uh, on this journey to free yeah. ourselves um, from this traumatic event and, and to even to move towards forgiveness, that there this is something we have to choose. Right. We have yes. to voices along the way. This isn't something forgiveness and working through traumatic events isn't going to be something that it's a ball rolling down a hill. Yeah. It's not going to be natural. In fact, it's almost like pushing a ball up a hill. And it's Absolutely. something that will be difficult, but it's also worth it if we're going to move towards the Both. benefits that we talked about earlier, that it like, is right. going to take active will. And I might add to that a little bit. What yeah. I what I also learned in my forgiveness journey is one, you're a thousand percent right. This is something I had to choose. I, I think I waited. You know, there's the old adage that time heals all wounds, and I, I have <laughs> no. found that to be no. true. And <laughs> no. I have found what no. like an infection. If you, it, you know, if you said that about a huge gash in your arm, yeah. that time just lets it actually get worse and worse and worse until your blood poisons and it's yeah. infected and it kills you. And so what I have found is that forgiveness, like you're saying, is an act of will. And that, and the one thing that's really helped me a lot, I mean, this might not have helped every um, uh, personality type and, and different mind type, yeah. is kind of what you're talking about is to analytically look at it. Mm -hmm. How can I protect myself? What, what lessons can I learn from this? Um, and how can I remove myself a little bit from the emotionality of it and look <laughs> at it analytically so I can make better decisions, so I can choose in an analytical way uh, to enact my will towards this thing that happened. So that that's helped me. But also, and this one is, I think, harder because we have this uh, thing that happens in scripture where it's forgive because you are forgiven. And so a lot of us end up doing is, and that sounds nice, right? So we can, we're going to forgive someone else because we have been forgiven by God. But the problem is a lot of times what we uh, imagine ourselves being forgiven for um, doesn't equal the thing that was done against <laughs> us. And so it's it's saying, well, yeah, you know, maybe I've lied or done something wrong or, or said a mean word. I'm willing to forgive up to that level of the of the amount Ooh, of quotes that's good. Yeah. I've committed. But this person um, you know, cheated on me or or it caused me to lose my job or um abused me in some way. My the what what it took to forgive me is far less effort than what I'm being asked to forgive this person. And I think that's a really, really tough thing to accomplish when we're looking at the imbalance in the universe. And um, so I think that that's a difficult one. And I, and, I, and I want to say I know how to do it, but 
um, it comes back to, uh, for me, it keeps on coming back to, while that might be true, forgiving because you have been forgiven, what it comes back to for me is um, what you said earlier, I'm not going to allow this to Ew. affect and control the rest of my life. Okay. And the right. only way for that to happen is to let this go. And the only way to let this go is to forgive someone and to realize right. that I will need forgiveness and have me forgiveness. And maybe they need way, way more. But the only way for me to live a healthy and whole life is to choose with the will, with our agency, like you were talking about, to push that boulder up the hill. And by the way, and to also accept it's not fair. There, it's, uh, it's not fair that this thing happened to you. It's not right. good. It's not right. And this is this is not how it should have been. And you sh shouldn't have to push this boulder up the hill. But when you do one, it will make you stronger. So it's helped me to see the benefits yeah. in my life. It yeah. makes me a stronger person. It brings me closer to God. It brings me closer to other people. It makes me recognize my need. And um, so even though it wasn't fair, there is a beauty and a goodness and a benefit to be found in the process of choosing to forgive, even when it's not merited, yeah. when it's not warranted, and you shouldn't have ever had to begin with. Um, but the times I have forgiven have made me the person I am, and I'm so grateful having gone through times where I had to forgive because it's made me a stronger, more whole, more empathetic, and I think even wiser person. Um, right. So look at the benefits of what you're going to get by choosing to go on down this road. Yeah. That's something right. that's helped me a lot. I, I've definitely found for myself, you know, what's made it easier to forgive people is to sort of shift my thinking to what I think is closer to how God sees things. Because <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, one of the things that they talk, people I hear preachers talk about a lot is obviously, you know, the aspect of, well, you know, we, we need to be forgiven too. And so to remind yourself, oftentimes, I, I forget who said it and, you know, somebody out there remember, but like for lack of forgiveness happens when I exclude um, myself from the, uh, the, from, from the uh, uh, citizenry of sinners and I exclude the other person from the citizenry of, you know, of, of uh, the saved, you know, and, and from the forgiven. And I think to a certain degree of what's reminding that I'm in that place too, help is helpful for me but of course like you said nathan i can work around that by saying well yeah but i need to be forgiven that much you know and <laughs> yeah but what has been helpful is that in god's mind because i'm always thinking it would be a better world if something bad happened to them because it happened to me i'm always thinking there's if my okay. life would be better and theirs and the world would be better if they were taken off the table and for god he thinks that you know there is something actually valuable in them that I can't see. That them getting to flourish in life as long as they're following his, you know, his way of living makes the world a better world. They're an artist. They're an engineer. They're a scientist. They're they're a, a father, a wife. They they contribute something to the world that if they um, get excluded from a good life, then uh, that makes the world worse somehow actually kind of believing that yeah. and so therefore believing my wishing them ill instead of wishing for their conversion or redemption you know is asking for the world to be worse and that's sort of been helpful for me to kind of think of it that way um even though it is well, yeah, it is bondy yeah. an eye for an eye will make the entire world blind exactly that that right. whole thing now i think for me i would say sort of as as one final question you know i at i would be interested because one of the places that i've found the least satisfaction with discussions on forgiveness from either a secular or a Christian perspective is 
you know, because we've talked about the fact of how it benefits you to not ask, okay. um, not, you know, to not to let go, you know, of, of a grudge. It's very good. But a big part of forgiveness is, like you said at the beginning, it's releasing the other person from the consequences of the actions. That's what, you know, the, the story that Ooh, Jesus, that feels bad. I know. Yeah. But Jesus it's hard. That's such a hard feeling. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jesus, the story, when Jesus says the, tells the parable and you can look it up people, you know, if you, is that, that of, you know, the unforgiving servant, you know, um, you know, uh, he's where he's saying, look, I'm literally going to relieve you of the debt that you owe me, that you literally owe me. You know, that's where he was answering the disciples. How often do I have to forgive someone? So he's not saying, how yeah, often do I have to forgive someone in their heart? He's saying, how often do I have to relieve someone of a debt they owe me? And of course, Jesus' forgiveness of us was literally but, you know, removing from us the consequences of our actions. However, and so that's so that whole thing of like, we're actually going to not force you to pay a penalty for what happened. It, maybe it's wait, not, wait, I'm going to do to you what you do to everyone else, which is what you're saying is, this is not just an emotional thing. You yes. might never feel it. Yeah. This is a choice of will. If you still feel unforgiveness, that's okay. You're making a choice. And there's still a choice towards God. That's that. Okay, continue. Sorry. No, no, no of course, of course. No, please. Really? Uh, no, um, no. I like, oh, so that, that's how it feels to be saying. So what you're saying is, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's nice. Um, but okay. what's what, but the thing is, there's a lot of times where it's like, but a person still has to sometimes pay the consequences of their actions. They may have to go to jail. They may have to, you know, go to something else. And, but what I hear from a lot of people talk about this is they say, well, of course, if they've broken the law, they have to go to jail. Well, of course they have to pay the consequences of this instance, but never explain what's our rule of thumb for when they have to pay consequences and when they don't. When is it, um, a, a good thing for them to go to jail for this? And when is it not? When you know, like, so if, if there are people who are saying, okay, when do I really need to pardon them in the legal or economic or social sense and when and and try to reconcile you know and when do i not do that what would you advise on that score okay so let's separate forgiveness is not reconciliation okay. there is no place in the bible that says we have to forgive and go back we That's don't have to forgive the abuser and re-enter his world right yeah yeah we have to forgive and we have to use wisdom Hello. about how we're going to live the rest of our life. And that may be cutting off that Hello. person, right? No, no, no. That's my first point. My second point is God doesn't see values to sin. He doesn't see big sin and little sin. He just sees sin. It's a very equal thing. Right. So while we go, well, you know, I lied three times, but you sexually assaulted me. God sees those as equal. He does. All of that. I'm not sure if that's true, but uh, but, but but okay, we'll, we'll continue with that. Yeah, but but lying and sexual sin are together in Corinthians as reasons why people wouldn't go to heaven. Okay, sure. in in the in this going in to heaven that, aspect of it, yes, they're in that list, right? So if you're gonna if you're gonna kick out the sexual abuser, you're gonna kick out the liar too, and we all tell lies. So you know we have. I don't. To um you know not always intentionally it's not always a malicious lie it's yeah. not like you get i'm kidding you know so so i think we have to remember that god sees anything that stops us from being connected to him as equally bad no matter what it is 
Mm, right? And so then it doesn't, there's no, well, they made a bigger sin against me than I made against God because it's all sin and it's all fairly equal in God's world. Um, I want to tell a quick story to sort of illustrate why sometimes um, forgiveness is difficult. And then I'm going to give you the answer to who gets to decide whether or not judgment happens. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So so similar, Nathan, to your story about the the shooting in the church, um, there was a shooting in a synagogue uh, back in the 70s where um, a young woman lost both of her parents in the shooting. And um, the Jewish tradition is very much like the Christian tradition. You must forgive. You have to work through that process. And she was able to go into open court and tell um, the man who shot her parents um, that she had forgiven him. Wow. And that actually, in that moment, drove him to his knees and drove him to seek God. Wow. Yeah, he still spent the rest of his life in jail. Um, but he was now seeking after God from that position because somebody offered him forgiveness for something he didn't think he should ever be forgiven for. Right. Now, a couple of years later, she gets married and all of the rage and anger and frustration come roaring back in her life. Wow. And she went to her her rabbi and she said i don't understand like this i was angry as the day he killed my parents i thought i forgave him clearly i did not this is you know i i don't i don't know how to forgive if it didn't work last time how was that you know like what it and the rabbi looked at her and said you forgave him for the loss of your parents in your life but until now as you're planning your wedding you didn't forgive him for the loss of your parents walking you down the wedding aisle it's a different loss it's a different moment you have to just you have to recognize you did you truly forgave him and now you have to truly forgive him for the fact that their parents aren't there to walk you down there. So there's different losses to mourn on the process. There are different losses to mourn along the way. And she found that popped back up again when she gave birth to her first child. Now she's mourning the loss of her parents getting to be grandparents, right? (laughs) Sometimes, and I think frequently, Satan uses those moments where there's a new loss that we need to grieve to say, I see you never really forgave them. Forgiveness is bunk. It doesn't really work. What are you doing? It's stupid. It, you know, I don't you don't do it. You, you, you didn't really forgive them. You did really forgive them. You forgave them in that moment. And now there's just a new moment of life that you have to forgive them for. That's really insightful. That's really interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, and I think it really helps you to understand that forgiveness is not a one-time move. It mm, is yeah. genuinely a journey where you are looking at your life experiences and you are saying, this is impacting this and I don't want it to. Right. I love that. That's wonderful. I'm going to give it up. I I think that's really valuable that that it's not a moment or a line with a direction that we walk continuously. And I'm going to offer just two more um, uh, practical ways that I I have found. And I think, I hope as we're, you know, as we bring this conversation to an end, 
um, that might stick with our listeners that are coincide with everything we talked about today. One, um, there's a guy named Rob Bell. No one at me. Uh, <laughs> said some really interesting things occasionally. And one of them that I thought was really fascinating that have always stuck with me is uh, basically what you said is forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation. Uh, and what he what he the way he phrased that was sometimes we forgive people from afar. Very oftentimes we need to forgive people from afar. Mm -hmm. And that means you're not in contact with them. You're not next to them. But it's a choice that you're making inside. I think we sometimes have this idea that forgiveness has to mean that we're happy with each other and friends and buddies and that everything is OK now. And oftentimes it's an interior choice that we make. And there's a distance. But we do we forgive from a distance. Yeah, uh, because of safety, because of whatever it might be. Um, but that's still a choice we can make even when we're not in reconciliation. That forgiveness is still a choice you can make, even if that person it, it is unrepentant or even dangerous or <laughs> even um you can't be near them. So that's one thing. And right. then I'm gonna quote my mom because I've always been surprised and inspired uh, by her Sally Clarkson. To people <laughs> and to um to love them where I but you know, something would happen. And, you know, I, as a kid or even, you know, now I'll see someone really wrong her and I'll see her like, oh, you know, it's OK. And and I'm I'm like, how can you do that? They did this terrible thing. It was dishonest or it was hurtful or they slandered you. And what she replies with is she goes, what I am learning and have learned is to see people's context. And what I mean by this, is I remember my an old therapist of mine, we were sitting there talking and he said something very surprising to me. He said, um, imagine the worst person. And I had been watching a, a Netflix documentary a while and is a serial killer. And he said, you can um, understand uh, anyone's actions if you see their whole story. And even the serial killer, the serial killer that we're talking about. And what what he meant by that, what my mom means by giving people context is, well, it's not a justification of what they've done. Something that's really helped me forgive people in my life is seeing their full context, cool. meaning they grew up in a place where they were so um, had to be so defensive and so careful uh, and so um, maybe even uh, on the offense towards the world to protect themselves because they were never protected. That's why they ended up hurting me in the way they did. And so giving people context, even mm -hmm. if you look at um, abusers, uh, very often, I'm like, it's, it's in, in incredibly often were actually once abused. And so you can, it, this is again, not a justification of what they do, no. not justification of the terrible things they have committed, but you can begin to understand and even have sympathy and empathy on why they ended up in a place that where they were hurting you in that way, because they were once upon a time hurt in a different way, where they weren't given something, where they were treated poorly. And that caused a rift in them that ended up causing them um, to hurt other people. And there's a, someone else, uh, again, <laughs> Uh, again, don't at me, but um, Richard Rohr uh, said, whatever um, pain isn't transformed will be transferred. Uh -huh. And um, and you, you cannot like a lot of what he says. That's totally fine. But that I think that is quote a really, is pretty good. Yeah. And I think that it, that is your basic definition of forgiveness. You either transform yes. it and you figure out how to go on with life or you're going to abuse other people with that pain. And Absolutely. see, that's the final one. If you don't forgive, you will end up hurting someone else, maybe not even intentionally. And so that's another, if you don't want to have the hurt that's been done to you continued, even in a different way, um, work through and learn to forgive and, and, and choose to forgive and push that rock up that hill. 
um, if for nothing else that you won't hurt someone else. So giving people context yep. and forgetting from afar are two things I've learned as well. But uh, Joseph, any final thoughts before we give the last uh, 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 session to Karen? Yes, yes. We'll have, I'll, I'll give a couple thoughts, then you, Karen, can wrap up. I know you had one more thing you were going to uh, at yeah. least say. Yeah, I think I, I think that, you know, everybody, I think post kind of Christendom, everybody has sort of seen the benefits of forgiveness, but it is sort of in the mess of the details that figuring out, like, in this context, is it from afar or is it um, near? Near, far, you are. Like, when... When does, you know, forgiveness um, lead us to reconciliation? When does it not? How do we do it? Actually, like you keep talking about, they even go through the process and how do you release the trauma first and go through all these things? And I think that like for me, I'm just really excited to see people talk about it and try to talk about the practical steps of it, because I think a lot of times we just say this is something to do and we don't actually go through the weeds of what it is. And I think that you know, if if anybody can take anything away from this episode, it's have that conversation with yourself and with other people in your life about what are these, what is this going to look like? Because even if you get it wrong, as long as you're kind of trying to kind of figure it out and go in that direction, that direction, that direction, you're going to get closer to there and make your life and other people's lives better for it. So I just always, again, this is our podcast. So I always encourage people like talk about it and, and, figure out it out if we don't know the answers yet. But yes, you go ahead and uh, Karen, uh, close us out. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the Bible sort of as this final final say, right? Sure. So God tells us we need to forgive. He says it because it makes us good relationship with him. It makes good relationships with everybody else. It's healthier for our bodies. It's healthier for us mentally. But God does not say that when we say we've forgiven someone, he's done with the process. Good, right. So we can go back to the Old Testament. I'm just going to use one example, and I'm going to use the um, where um, David uh, cheats with Bathsheba and then uh. has her husband killed, right? And the child that she bears dies. God, um, David has already sought for forgiveness for, the, for cheating, but there is still a consequence to that yeah. cheating and that death of Uriah in the death of that child, right? God yeah. was done, even though there was forgiveness offered in all directions. Yeah. But God is never completely done because the next king to rule is Bathsheba's next child, Solomon. Yeah. So he, he has a logical consequence with the death of the first baby, but then he brings fulfillment of a plan and, and a good thing, and Solomon, who ha who just seeks after God with for that wisdom piece of it that we see, you know, that is such, he made such a great king in that process. In the New Testament, it's in Hebrews, and I looked it up so I would quote it correctly. It's Hebrews 10.30. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Cool. And again, the Lord will judge his people. When we give up the right to judge somebody else, we give God the right to do it. And God does it so much better. Because well, uh, he knows exactly what he's trying to accomplish in that process. Yeah. 
and what needs to happen to that person to change their life and make it better. Mm. And so as long as, because God created a world here where we choose what happens in the world, we, we are the ones that he gave authority to, you know, um, you know, Adam starts by naming all the animals, right? God didn't mm-hmm. name them. Adam named them. Um, not sure exactly what zebra meant to Adam with the, you know, horse thing with the stripes, <laughs> but Adam did it, right? You know what makes you special? These guys, they're white with black stripes. You're black with white stripes. Right? He gave him that. And then Adam, Adam, even the creation of Eve comes from Adam saying, I, I need a wife. Like I'm lonely, right? So although it was always God's intention to give him Eve, right? Once he created man on earth, man's in charge of earth. If Adam had taken, you know, 12 years to go, hey, you know what? I'm lonely. I needed somebody else. That's how long it would have taken God to answer. When Mm. we hold on to the right on earth to judge somebody else and decide what's going to happen, we eliminate God's ability to move on. When we offer that forgiveness and we walk away from it, when we say it's in your hands, God, then God gets to make those decisions. And God very, very, very seldom allows somebody completely off the hook. Well, that's I love that. And I think it's a perfect place uh-huh. to wrap up that ultimately, if you're looking for, there's so many good options here and steps to take. And hopefully you heard some, some things that'll help you today. But one of the best things is God is a God of justice and care. And he loves you. And he is making the world right. And there, if it feels like the world is not right, <laughs> don't worry. God is redeeming and making all th- things new. And I love that. Karen, thank you so much for being here. We are now going to move into hopefully some Woo-hoo! resources um, and some some recommendations where people can continue this, at least this conversation in their minds or with other people and thoughts, uh, blesses and curses. Yes. Uh, but uh, uh, Joseph, can you explain to everyone what what it is and and get us kicked off? I will. Yes. So we uh, we are now in our blesses and curses segment where we take a work of art, media, or resource that people can use to um uh, that we believe that we want to recommend. So bless to make people help people engage more with this topic in a positive way, or yeah. uh, that we want to curse, i.e., diss or cast out into the outer darkness. Uh, it's like this will not be helpful for you to engage with this topic or be enjoyable even. Um, so, uh, yes. So I um, uh, uh, actually uh, we always give our guest the opportunity if she wants to go first or last. Uh, do you have a preference? Uh, I don't care. All right, cool. You, you we'll, decide. We'll let you we'll let you wrap us up. Um, okay. So, uh, Nathan, do you Best have for last. That, exactly. Yes. Do you have a uh, your blessed and curses ready, or you want me to go first? Yeah, I can. I can. I have a bless. I, I promised I'd have a curse by the end of this episode, but I don't. That's um, okay. I'll go, any... and you can think about it while I'm while I'm while I'm doing. It won't it. help. I won't. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, you know, do the obvious, uh, uh, the obvious thing, and I'm going to uh, bless a couple of books. One of them being uh, Karen's book, uh, Everyday Christian's Guide to Forgiveness. It's super short. It's like, you know, 30 pages. And if you're kind of looking for a breakdown that's helpful. You have no of, excuse. Exactly. You can a break, read this in a day. A yeah. breakdown <laughs> of like, of, that's in a sense, it's like even just kind of like a cathartic process of mm. kind of walking through forgiveness. If you're in a really low place, that is a, a very good, you know, 30 page handbook on kind of that I know is going to be helpful for a lot of people. Um, on a bigger scale, I just finished uh, the late 
uh, Dr. Timothy Keller's uh, book on forgive called forgive. And that's a much kind of larger kind of breakdown of the sort of cultural moment we're in and the historical aspects of forgiveness and reasons to forgive and practical help. If you want a larger book on that, I found that very helpful. Um, then, of course, for movies, I'm going to bless um, uh, actually the first season of Ted Lasso. Now, I have to say, um, I could not get through the rest of the season. So I'll give that, you know, it jumped the shark pretty early on for me. Um, but the first season has probably one of the best examples in modern television vision I've seen of somebody um, really wronging somebody else. And then somebody, other person, then that person who really wrongs them being convicted of what they did was wrong, going to the yeah. person to admit what they did was wrong and ask for forgiveness and the other person forgiving them. It is like, I don't know if I've seen in Christian or secular media, a better example of that process um, and it working in a healthy way at every stage. So I'm, you know, that's, it goes, you have to watch the whole season. It happens at the end of the season. So we watched that. That's, I thought, beautiful depiction of that to capture a vision of that for yourself on either side, the asking for forgiveness or the uh, giving of it. Um, for my curse, I'm going to go for an oldie but goodie. Uh, I have some of these mainstays now after three years of, of doing this, um, but is um, it's a movie called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is about Mr. Rogers starring Tom Hanks. And I know I sound like the Grinch when I am such a sweet movie. I'm, I'm constantly bashing it, but in that story, essentially, I found that there was a lot of very um, toxic pressure on somebody to forgive somebody and, you know, his abusive dad when he comes back into his life and just says, hey, I want to be back into your life. And everybody from his, like, his wife to Mr. Rogers is saying, you just like need to forgive him and get over it. And it's kind of like, this is not a healthy way to push somebody to forgive. You're not helping him to deal with his trauma over it. You're just just get over it is not a healthy yes. thing to say to someone who's <laughs> trembling. And it's like this is not this is this is trying to make things nice rather than deal with the realities mm. of it. So I, I found it to be unhealthy in that respect. So yeah, those are my blesses and curses. So uh, Nathan, where where are you at? What what at least is your bless? I'm going to. Uh, I, I feel like I couldn't do this episode and not bless oh, yes. the story, the musical, the play, the book of Les Misérables. Um, I think it's one of the most beautiful depictions. Well, of forgiveness and also it it very clearly displays and depicts um what forgiveness can do you know mm. i'm not the way that the uh the 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 story starts out with an act of forgiveness um that changes a person so much they go on to make the world a more a far more beautiful and wonderful place because they were forgiven oh. and so we didn't talk about that much today but what happens when you receive forgiveness mm. change your entire life. So offering that, knowing that you are a catalyst to making the world more beautiful. And we talked a little bit about that by forgiving someone um, and, and freeing them and allowing yep. them to experience your forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And Les Miserables shows the benefit of choosing that um, and also of what it does to someone to receive it. Um, I'm also going to, I figure since I already named two heretics that everyone uh, yells about that I might more, as well just more. make sure. Um, <laughs> Um, but I, I read the shack before it was a very controversial years ago. Nice. And it's, it's a book about forgiveness. It's a man who his daughter is murdered. His, his child daughter is murdered. And it's his process of what he does with the anger, the sadness, the grief and him, you watch his process. I'm not going to give anything away, 
of uh, very creatively, kind of a, in a Narnia esque or, or maybe um, Great Divorce esque. Yes, Great Divorce. Yeah, surrealist a bit way. Um, you watch his process towards forgiveness and the and the struggles and the and the pain, but ultimately the beauty of him choosing that direction. Um, and uh, and it also has to do with him forgiving um, a, an alcoholic parent and really? so what that looks like. And the and so it takes the pain seriously. But it also shows the beauty of forgiveness. So I really enjoyed the shack, uh, the book. I'm uh, don't at me with the theological ramifications. I'm sure, <laughs> I, but I just enjoyed the book. Um, and then I'm also going to recommend a book that's just more practical uh, by an author I really really like, and I've been reading for years. And I always find that he has a new perspective on these things that we've been talking about for um, two thousand years. Uh, Philip Yancey uh, wrote a book called The Scandal of Forgiveness. Nice. Yeah, um, Grace Put to the Test is a subtitle. And I, I just would really encourage if you're looking for more of a um, practical nonfiction way to engage with the subject more that both respects the pain that you're feeling, but also helps you work through um, and gives you a hope, a place to go, uh, then I really encourage you to read this book. Um, it's a really beautiful, beautifully written, but also practically helpful oh, book. Well, um, for for Curse, I struggled with this one. Um, I don't really know what to curse, but... You know, I, I will just, I, I'm going to curse, you know, kind of cop out here, but there's a lot of movies that really mm. glorify and romanticize um, revenge. Yeah. And that that it shows the, because really, you know, with forgiveness, we have basically three options, which is one, to forgive. And we went over that today. Two, to just hold it forever until you blow up um, and just fester in it. And then three, uh, the other one is just revenge. And I feel like our culture is opting towards revenge. And yeah. I think we see that a lot in cancel culture. Um, we see a lot of that in kind of retributional um, and not so much just justice because that we need justice. God's a God of justice, but retributional, cathartic punishment. Uh -huh. um, and I see that a lot in movies now and it does worry me. So I'm more just cursing that sentiment that yeah. retributional revenge will ever bring us the wholeness uh, and the catharsis that we long for. So I'm cursing. I'm cursing that feeling. The, venge the vengeance trope. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. We can curse tropes here. We do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Um, so Karen. Yeah. How about you? All right. So I'm gonna go just a little bit backwards because I want to end with the blessing and not the cursing. Go part for of it. it. Love it. Love it. Love so it. So kind of building on Nathan's. Um, wanting to point out the revenge sort of movies, I'm going to curse uh, West Side Story. Oh, and, and, maybe, yeah. and maybe to the same extent, and I'm really like, I have a, I had an English minor at one point, Romero and Juliet. For the same reason. Wow. That, and you see the absolute destruction when people mm. don't forgive. Yeah. Right? You just see it collapse and it, mm. it, massively. Um, so that's that's one. My second curse is a phrase called forgive and forget. Oh, okay. You tell. People tend to go with that as a biblical thought, forgive and forget. Mm. That is not, and there is no way we can forget, and we need to stop saying that. So I'm going to curse that phrase. Take it out of your vocabulary. There is nothing forgetting in that. Um, wow, well, this process. may be the first we. I don't know if we've had a phrase be cursed on our show yet. Well, yeah, this is, you did it. That's well good. done. But yeah, I'm with you. That's okay. really yeah. <laughs> I'm down with that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, 
Um, on the on the blessing side, so I want to bless Matthew West. Wrote a song a few years ago called "Forgiveness." Ooh. That is just a. I love Matthew. He's great. Ask people to tell him their tragic stories and how mm-hmm. they forgave, and he wove that into a song that is absolutely amazing. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and, and then, what's it called? It's you know, forgiveness. Oh, just call forgiveness. Okay, that's hard to. <laughs> that's hard to forget. All right, got it. Wait, wait. Let me write Very that basic. down. Yeah. <laughs> My other one is actually. Uh, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna bless a technology software. Oh wow! Okay. You're innovating on this show. <laughs> I am. I am innovating. You know what? I can't follow rules. It's really running the show. <laughs> you gave me rules. I don't follow those. So. I operate a technology platform that's used all across the country called Care Portal. Nice. It's at careportal.org. And it's an opportunity for churches to get involved in um, foster care, adoption, families in crisis. And in that process, there is in every request, there is a story that tells the story of what is going up. And sometimes you're capturing those stories in the middle of the crisis but my favorite part is when you capture the story of redemption and mm-hmm. parents coming back and things like that. So we had two recently here that I want to share, but I want to encourage you to go check out that website and read through some of those stories. The first That's one awesome. was a mom who had an eight-year-old and a one-year-old, and she had been a drug addict since before the eight-year-old was born. And she was able to get herself clean and sober after the birth of her second child. And she was getting them back um, and taking custody back of them. The older one had been in foster care all of his life. And so had the both of them had been in foster care all of their life um, because of her drug addiction. And the caseworker was just so proud. I mean, three or four times in the story, she said, I'm so proud of this mom. She's worked so hard. She's overcome so much. And it was, it was the system forgiving the mom. It was the kids forgiving the mom. Mm. Almost see the foster parents who had had these. I mean, if you can imagine raising a child for eight years with a parent that's got a drug addiction, and then you're giving that child back to that mom with this trust and and faith that she's going to do it right this time, you know, after Mm. watching her struggle for eight years, it's just a story of absolute redemption and forgiveness. Amazing. And the other one was a 17-year-old boy who um, who was raised with a dad who had a drug problem. And his dad got him to go sell drugs for him. And he witnessed, um, just before his 16th birthday, the death of his father on oh. an overdose and his father being carried out of the house in a body bag. And he went rapidly downhill. And his mother stepped in um, and got him some care, engaged the child welfare system. They put him in some uh, long-term drug treatment and, and mental health help. And he was um, getting out and he was positive and he was happy and mom didn't have a bed for him. And so um, the, one of the churches purchased a bed and he wanted a driver's license because he wanted to be able to go get a real job and not rely on selling drugs anymore. And I think those two stories, but I think every single one, there's a story that shows hope and promise mm-hmm. and, and the opportunity to live life better. Um, and so well, that's I, a tip. I love too. what? I was going to say, that's a tip too. Go engage with other stories of forgiveness yeah. that might be on yours. Yes. Go be inspired. Um, you know, anybody can get on the platform and offer to yep. donate some money to the thing. And that's not my purpose. But the stories out there are 
heartbreaking, but many of them are just as inspiring. I'll, I'll plug, you know, care portal like that is something that my Bible study used as a way to get plugged into churches in the area with people who actually have needs that you know you can be helping right. with. So it's it's a really great mm-hmm. resource in that way. But yes, the stories are incredibly inspiring. So yes, yeah. Thank you so much, Karen. This has been fantastic. Those were some great, innovative, and also wonderful blesses. Uh, so thank you so much. And if people want to get in touch with you, uh, they, you know, and, and the resources you have to offer and and your work and and such, uh, where would be the best place to contact you? What would be something you want to plug besides Care Portal? <laughs> Um, so let's let's go with probably the um, I, I, you know I'm out there in so many different fields, but you can find me on Facebook at uh, Karen Burhans B U R H A N S Lang. That's my maiden name. Or on LinkedIn, if you are a business person, um, I love connecting that way. Cool. Um, you can email me. The easiest email I have is actually my last name L A I N G and my cool. and my favorite title mom. M-O-M Aww. at gmail.com <laughs> um, uh, if you need to, to email me. But um, I'm out there. I have uh, the the list of the organizations all have websites and stuff like that that I work for. But um, yeah, just reach out if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you're struggling to figure out how to forgive. I'd love to talk to you about it and, and share it cool. with you. Um, you can also find me through Amazon on their on yes. their. Uh, author page as and well. I, and if I can say, I know people who have been deeply helped by Karen's um, counsel on forgiveness and healing. So um, it's, it's there, there, there's, there's definitely, she, she, she does a good job. Um, thank you. But, but, um, uh, but yes. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yes. And of course you can also find her on the Fa- overthinkers Facebook page where she often comments yes, she and uh, <laughs> engages the discussion. Um, and uh, Nathan, if people want to uh, engage more, uh, with your overthinkers besides going to the Facebook group, uh, uh, where can they go? And if they want to get in touch with you, where can they go? Uh, again, overthinkersjournal.com to get in touch with us. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. Joseph? You can find me at josephholmstudios.com, also any of the socials. Also, I write regular film uh, reviews and culture criticism uh, for Religion Unplugged, where I'm regularly making many people mad at me, apparently, um, but uh, <laughs> but only because I tell the truth. Um, <laughs> in love, in love. Uh, so, um, yes, anyway, thank you so much, Karen, for being here. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. <laughs>